Let's stand together as we reverence the reading of God's Word. James chapter 5. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. May God bless reading of his word tonight in a message I call Praying to the Living God. You may be seated. Praying to the Living God. In this passage, James holds up the prophet Elijah. And I got this passage on my mind this week as I was preparing for Moses and thinking about those three times of miracles. And I began to think about all the things associated with those three great times. And and just to remind you, these are the historical times, one of course yet future in the Revelation, but the times of Moses and the times of Elijah and the times of Jesus. And one of the things that stood out about those times was all three of the people who led them were known as mighty men of prayer. Moses was a man mighty in prayer. Elijah singled out in Scripture as a man mighty in prayer. And Jesus... Oh, nobody ever prayed like Jesus prayed. The very fact that Jesus prayed at all serves as a reminder of how much we need it. If he needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? Now, I'm not going to tell you that we lack miracles today because we are weak and anemic in our prayer lives. And all those miracles that God accomplished, uh, he did in a very sovereign manner. He chose the time. He did them as it pleased him. He did them for his own purposes. We need to remind ourselves from time to time that the overwhelming majority of God's people have lived and died and served the Lord their whole life. Without ever seeing a miracle. They've never seen an angel. Never heard the voice of God speak to them. Never seen the heavens open. and None of that. The overwhelming majority of them. Now, that doesn't mean that's something wrong with you or me. It simply means that God did special things at special times. For reasons that sometimes he told us about. Sometimes he didn't. When James mentions Elijah as an example of prayer, he does so in a very specific context. And that context is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, that's the title of our message tonight, the man who prayed to the living God. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, there shall not be rain or dew these years. Most of you will not recognize the name of Thomas Altizer. He was a professor at Amory University in Atlanta, Georgia, in the middle part of the 20th century. He was the professor who is credited for announcing in his classes that God was dead. And a movement that became known as the God is Dead movement began in America and across campuses. 
It was a young college student at the time named Jerry Vines who wrote an essay in response uh, to the God has made people, dead people. And he asked a series of questions. He said, if God is dead, I want to know where they buried him. If God is dead, what was the cause of death? If God is dead, where is the death certificate? If God is dead, why, where did they have the funeral? If God is dead, why wasn't I invited? Because I'm a member of the family. <laughs> oh, well, it turned out that the God is dead movement died. Yeah. God, on the other hand, is very much alive and well. I mention that because our text tonight is built around another one of those God is dead movements. There was a wicked king in Israel by the name of Amri. Amri was the most wicked king who had ever sat upon the throne up to his time. He had a son who had the inglorious distinction of being worse. So that God would say there was none like unto Ahab, the son of Amri, who sold himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. Oh, they were quite the team. They were quite the team. Where Amri had turned the nation to the worship of Baal and married his son Jezebel to the daughter of Ethbaal. Was that the wickedness of Samaria wasn't bad enough with their idolatrous calves and other things? Then Ahab built a temple unto Baal. That was his way of announcing that God was dead. They were through with God. Israel from that moment on would be devoted to the worship of the Baal with their prophets and their priests and their temple. They were serious about it. Elijah, the man of God, walked into that situation out of nowhere. We don't know. We know kind of where he was from. We know a little bit about him, but it wasn't like he had started off in seminary and we met about him and he was a star student and we read about it. I mean, he just burst on the scene. That was Elijah who walked into the palace and stood before Ahab and Jezebel and said, Thus saith the Lord God, there'll not be rain or dew for three years unless I say so. This was a drought. You know, when you have a long rainy season, a few dry weeks gives you a welcome respite. I'd like to be able to walk across my yard without sinking up over my shoes right now. Uh, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you live on the other side of interstate and you've got a puzzled look on your face. I understand. On my side of town, when it rains, your yard gets awful soggy. Man, it'd be nice to be dry for a week or two. But long about the third week, we'd be saying, man, we need some rain. We need some rain. Three years. The springs would dry up. The streams would dry. The rivers would go dry. The wells would go dry. It moved agonizingly slow, this judgment, but it was devastatingly effective. After making this announcement, God gave Elijah special instructions. This man of God who's held up for such an example, 
God said in 1 Kings 17 and 3, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1. Then it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, between those two verses then, uh, many things happen. We'll talk about those tonight. But this would bring us to the conclusion of the matter. And I thought I'd give it to you here. Uh, though it's not a surprise to you. The story of the confrontation between Elijah and the 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and Ahab and Jezebel is a classic. Oh, I love that story. If you haven't read it lately, when you get home, read it. Don't read it now. When you get home, read it. We remember Elijah taunting the prophets of Baal. I always like that part. Cry louder. Maybe he's deaf. Maybe he's asleep, taking a nap. Maybe he's on vacation. He didn't say that I did. He was taunting them. Finally, Elijah prayed. He had the barrels of water poured out upon the altar. And the fire fell from heaven. Licked up the water. Consume the sacrifice. Uh, you see, Ahab heard the message three years before. The Lord God of Israel lives. But there on Mount Carmel, he got a very, very public demonstration that God was indeed alive. But long before Elijah was able to stand on Mount Carmel and call out to God and see the fire of heaven fall. He spent a lot of time in solitude in very difficult situations. Ahab fared sumptuously in the palace. If anybody had anything to eat in the whole country, Ahab and Jezebel did. If anybody had anything to drink, they did. The people suffered horribly and Elijah, by the way, Elijah saw some difficult times as well. But James told us in James chapter 5 in our text tonight that Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. In a way that means that Elijah was just like us. He was just like us. He was, he was not some superhuman superhero. He was a man, a, a man just like us. And he had like feelings. Passions means feelings. His feelings were the same. His passions were just like ours. He was a man of highs and lows. But Elijah turned his passion into prayer. Elijah was a man of like passions as we are, James said. And he prayed. He turned his passions into prayer. You know, that's a good example for us to follow. I mean, glad, sad, or mad. Take it to God. Of like passions as we are. And he prayed. Today in America we live in another one of those God is dead moments. A time when a nation has turned its back on God. And, and so tonight we'll look at some areas where God showed himself alive. Long before he would show himself alive on Mount Carmel. He would show himself alive to this man of prayer. We want to talk about that connection tonight. The man of prayer and serving the living God. And first of all, God showed himself alive by that dying brook. 
a dying brook, a drying book. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. As far as I know, ravens are crows. If they're not, don't correct me because I've got a really good picture of them in their mind. I'm pretty sure they're crows. This is God showing himself alive in the daily experience and his daily needs. The daily needs of this prophet. Your Lord and Savior and mine taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. I hope that you all are careful to give thanks before you eat. That's a biblical principle. It talks about how that we give thanks for what, it's, what we eat. And it's sanctified by the word and by prayer. And so we give thanks. We offer thanks about it. And Paul made a big deal about that with the Corinthian church. Uh, but it's always been a big deal to give thanks to God. It reminds us that he is a source of our blessings. And he is the one who supplies our daily needs. Every day Elijah would go down to the brook and get him some water. And he'd bow his head and he'd say, thank you Lord for what I'm about to receive. And here would come those crows dropping off breakfast. Then at supper... Here they'd come again, day after day after day. But as Elijah had to sit by that drying brook, he was constantly aware that his resources were meager. He was constantly aware that if God didn't provide for him, he'd go hungry. And I prayed this week about this message tonight that God would reawaken in us that same understanding that if God didn't supply us with something to eat, we'd go hungry. If God didn't meet our daily needs, our daily needs would go unmet. You say, well, what about all the wicked people in the world? I'm not talking about all the wicked people in the world. I'm talking about us as God's people and our awareness that every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. Elijah never missed a meal. He had plenty to drink. I don't know how big his bank account was, <laughs> how heavy his purse was. They might have said back in those days, or even if he had one. Wouldn't have done him any good. There was no place to buy anything where he was. He did not have a magnificent mansion. He did not have the ability to travel but God was proving himself alive to Elijah every single day in his daily needs. And I hope tonight that we can just ponder this for a little bit and we can all think a little bit more of how God shows himself to us every day in our daily needs. I love how that the Bible tells us how Jesus said that your father knows what you need even before you do. Even before we do. Even before we know to ask him. God knows what our needs are. Don't we have a great God? That he can keep up with the needs of millions and millions of his people. And our daily needs. 
Then we see God working and showing himself alive to Elijah in that uh, depleted barrel. We saw it in that drying brook. We also see it in the depleted barrel. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. I know I ask questions that probably nobody else asked, but I'll read that. And I have to wonder what kind of widow woman Elijah went into Zarephath looking for. I've got a suspicion he was thinking there was a rich one there. <laughs> yeah, he might have thought, well, I, I hope she's pretty. I don't, I don't know if he thought that or not. Maybe I shouldn't have even asked that. If I did, just if I shouldn't have, just forgive me. But uh, I wonder how they found each other but sure enough he finds himself looking at an impoverished woman widow with a ragged little boy he asked for her for the most precious thing in all the world a little water a little water and adds in a bit of food. That's uh, 1 Kings 17, 10. So he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Mm. I just can't help but notice that in just a few moments of interaction, he had just met her. But look at what the woman said. As the Lord thy God liveth. She knew who Elijah was. She knew what he had said. She knew his God was alive. As the Lord thy God liveth. As Jehovah God lives. She said. Now Elijah has gone from a very difficult set of circumstances. A very daily set of circumstances. To an almost hopeless set of circumstances a widow preparing her last meal <laughs> but y'all know how the story goes on Elijah said unto her fear not don't be afraid go and do as thou hast said but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son for thus saith the Lord God of Israel the barrel of meal shall not waste neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. There are times when our daily routine becomes a very difficult routine, a time when just living can become uh, haphazard it can become something that requires effort and pain it's hard to keep moving and keep going but then when things move beyond difficult and they seem hopeless how does God respond 
Once again, God keeps Elijah in the daily business. And if you're making that connection between Elijah and Moses, you remember that God kept the children of Israel in that daily business for 40 years. 40 years of having to depend on the manna every day, every day. There was God, faithful, every day, 40 years, dependent on God. And here they are still, daily, dependent on God. I, I read about a college student who had graduated and gone out for his first real job in the real world. And he came back, he was visiting with his pastor. His pastor asked him, How the, how's the new job? How's everything going? And he kind of smiled and he said, you know, pastor, uh, life sure does get daily, doesn't it? Every day, every day, daily. Yeah, life does get daily. But when it goes from daily difficult to daily hopeless, it'd be wonderful that God had sent them a truckload of meal and a few barrels of oil. It'd been nice maybe to have some leg of lamb to go along with it. There's no indication except that anything happened. In fact, that's not what happened. Uh, Every day she would empty the barrel and the oil to make a cake. Every day she'd go back and... There was enough for another cake. There's a time to plan for the future, a time to put things aside, but then there's a time for just getting by day by day, just keeping that one step going in front of another, just being able to get up and go one more day, just to make that one more move. I can't think about all the things out in the future, just one day. Give us this day our daily bread. But that hopeless situation, you see, one day at a time, that hopeless situation corrected itself. God got them through it. It was hopeless. It wasn't hopeless. One day at a time. One day at a time. God showed himself alive in their hopelessness. But of course, you also know the story. It got worse. He started out at a drying brook and then had to deal with that depleted barrel. But then there was a dying boy or a dead boy. Verse 17, it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, thou man of God? Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? He moves in from a daily experience to a difficult experience and now to a dark and even deadly experience. And guess what Elijah did? Yeah, y'all are ahead of me already. He prayed. He said unto unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah And the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. 
Elijah prayed. And the God who had proved himself to alive, alive to Elijah in his daily life and in his difficult and even hopeless life now shows himself alive in the deadly times and the helpless times. A time that we would all look at and say there's nothing that we can be done, that nothing can be done, nothing to do. And I've always liked what Ron Dunn used to famously say. The Christian never has to say there's nothing I can do. Because we can always pray to God. The God who had proven himself alive, who had worked so amazingly before and so faithfully, now showed himself once again to be faithful by raising that little boy back to life. Quite an experience. Doesn't surprise us then how the whole story winds up in First Kings chapter 18, verse 36. And at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. So what did Elijah do on Mount Carmel? He prayed. He prayed for the fire to fall. He prayed then for the rains to begin. The fire fell. The rain began. It behooves us tonight to ask ourselves the question, how is our prayer life? The secret of our success and the cause of our failure can be found in our prayer life. We may may find ourselves, you may find yourself tonight sitting by a drying brook as you watch your resources dwindling away. And maybe you wonder what you're going to do. Pray. Pray for the Lord God of Israel and the Lord God of you to show himself alive and faithful. Call upon him. Some of you may find yourself looking at a situation that has gone from being difficult to impossible, hopeless. You may find yourselves dealing with death. I'm not going to promise or even insinuate tonight that you could follow Elijah's model and call somebody back from the dead. Uh, That hasn't happened now in a long, long time. But you know, if that person is a believer in Christ and they have died in the Lord, then you can stand there before even that body that has gone cold of the person you love and call out to God, knowing that your loved one is now with the Lord. And as I say all the time in quoting Vance Havner, 
Vance Habner said after the death of his wife, Sarah. People tell me all the time, I heard you lost your wife. He said, no, I didn't lose my wife. Vance Habner said, nothing's ever lost when you know where it is. He said, my wife is with Christ and I'm in Christ. And one day I'll be with them both. And he is. And so in all of these times, our, our, our daily experiences and our daily needs, our difficult experiences, and yes, even in our experience with what seems to be the most hopeless of all in death, they all prompt us to pray. It's no wonder the people of God are often referred to as the people who call upon the Lord. <laughs> we call on God. I don't know how you're doing in your prayer life. I do know that prayer is one of the easiest of all of the spiritual disciplines for us to lay down and neglect. And once we've neglected our prayers, oftentimes prayer is the last thing we'll pick back up. It's the easiest thing to lay down. Often the last thing we'll pick back up. I hope you'll follow Elijah's example in your home, in your own life, in your family's life. Because I want to tell you something tonight. As we close out, you need prayer. You need prayer. I want to tell you something else. Your family, your family needs prayer. I want to tell you something else. Your, your spouse needs your prayers. Your church needs your prayers. Your pastors need your prayers a lot. We've got a lot to pray for and about. Let's follow Elijah's example. Let's stand together, please.